welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. Speak on the holiness of God, which is not really a personal speciality, holiness. <laughs> if I'm to be honest, I'm just exactly like everyone else here who falls way short of the mark. And, uh, but that's why I'm not speaking on my holiness, I'm speaking on the holiness of God. And uh, because that's something that doesn't change, and that's something that, that we can look up to, and, and uh, God is good. So let's just pray right now, because what I'm about to speak to is just like, uh, what I'm about to speak to you can be just empty words. Uh, it really needs the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to, to see and perceive the truth. And for the truth to go from just being something that we mentally ascend to, to something that we know uh, experientially, and that's what that's what uh, that's what God desires for us. So let's just pray now. Father, you are a great God, and Holy Spirit, we ask you right now that you would come and give us a revelation tonight of your holiness and how, how, how holy you are. How uh, and our state before you, Lord, every year that you would reveal your truth to them. Lord, you're a loving God, a God who wants to be reconnected with mankind as a whole. I just pray tonight, Lord, that we would uh, get uh, a full understanding of who you are and your plans for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you excited to get into this subject? Good. Think this, ask yourself this question, am I a good person? It's a good question to ask. It's a good question to ask someone who is not a believer, do you think you're a good person? And, you know, your average person maybe would think that they are good. And how, how do they get their definition of what good is? Well, they usually, they just compare themselves to someone else. And so the, the, you, the, the way, if you want to feel good about yourself, the person that you've got to compare yourself to is Hitler, really. <laughs> because, you know, you can't really get much worse. And so you compare yourself to him in, in the light of just pure evil, you know, it's easy to appear good, feel good about yourself. And... Um, and uh, so it's an interesting question, am I a good person? It's interesting what people think about ourselves, but then to go and to think what God, how he sees us, and, uh, and, and, and how a good God sees people. When um, about 10 years ago, when this church used to be in this room, but face this way, well, who was here? Okay, I have to go down a few of you, yeah, probably about 10% of you when the church still faced that way. Oh, back in the day, you know, this was before... Um, Oh, this is before, like, we didn't even have um, uh, projectors or anything like that. And, um, in fact, we hadn't even evolved. That's just a joke. <laughs> Don't believe in that stuff. And, uh, but things were different. And, um, and ten years ago, we, we were worshipping away. We had a church service. Some, suddenly during the service, something started to happen. And uh, we just started to sense that uh, there was this... Um, different presence in the room and uh, it was not like normal it's not like you know when we talk when we about in praise and worship and you know we say oh we can feel the presence of God and it's wonderful sometimes you know we talk about feeling the anointing the Holy Spirit and 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 how he comes it wasn't like that it was like intense and it was like God was there, not just, not just the anointing, but, but God's actual presence came. And, and um, 
I've only experienced this really twice in my life. One time was, was, was several years before that. And, uh, and I, Kevin and Cheryl were away, and so Katrina and I, we were leading the service. And, and um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. What do you do? It's like, finish the service. We, we were just, everyone was just there, and no one wanted to go. Everyone knew something was up, but no one really knew what it was. And um, times like this, you know, you just look really stupid when you try to do anything. And um, I know I'm not, like, massively smart, but I know when I'm coming across stupid, and the best thing you can do is just shut up. So I just, I just sat there quietly. No one went anywhere. And uh, maybe some of you were there for that time. And, um, you know, some people sort of was, was saying one or two things and maybe trying to prophesy and stuff like that. And I thought, man, something special's happened here. Just be quiet. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it just, I got the sense just at one point that I was here and that God, his, his presence was very close. And I felt this hint of just terror of, of, of his presence. And, um, you know, we, we can look at the, the, the idea that, that God is our friend. And, you know, it says in the New Testament, Jesus said, I no longer call you ser- servants, I call you friends. And, and there's, there's the side of God loving and merciful. But, but God is God. He's more than that. And uh, there's several instances in the Bible where people have encountered God. And I want to look at some of these tonight to see the reactions that happen to them. And uh, so the first one uh, is who we're going to look at is Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 6, we touched on this this morning, starting in verse 1. We're going to look at what happened when Isaiah encountered God. It says, in the the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. with, With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorsteps, doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So you can imagine that scene, how amazing it must have been for this man to just be transferred into the spirit, into the throne room of God, into heaven, and to see these amazing beings and, and to feel the vibration of the, the worship that was going on. And, and you know, you, you could ask yourself, what would I do in that situation? Well, Isaiah had a strong, strong reaction. So we continue on uh, in verse 5 here. It says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And so Isaiah suddenly gets this revelation. You know, um, I think heaven, I think tonight... I just so enjoyed tonight singing before God, worshipping Him and in that way. And uh, I just kind of think heaven's going to be, you know, there's going to be a part of our life and heaven's going to be like this times a billion. And people, people would say, you know, oh, uh, you know, that Junction Church, oh, it's just like a concert. And I kind of think, why not use everything that's available to humanity to, to, to worship God? And, and, and create, you know, if, 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 if these sort of drums exist, why not use them? And, and if all this multimedia stuff exists, why not use it? Why just let the world use it to exalt the world? Why don't we use it? After all, God gave humanity creativity to build stuff. Why not use that God-given gift 
to, to take the stuff that's, that's been made and, and use it to exalt him. And, and you could, I just, I'm, I'm so looking forward to heaven. I don't want to die just yet, but I'm looking forward to just seeing what it's going to be like. And, and uh, man, imagine the, 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 like, the multimedia in heaven. That's going to be awesome. It's definitely got to be 3D. At least. There's maybe even more Ds. I don't even know. And uh, you can look at it and think, man, um, that's going to be cool and fun and all of this. But, but when Isaiah is standing before God, he gets this actual revelation of, of God's absolute holiness. And, you know, Isaiah probably thought of himself, I'm guessing, you know, he was probably in comparison to people, he probably quite a holy man, probably quite law abiding. But he suddenly became deeply aware of his own sinful nature. And uh, he said, woe to me, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And uh, I think to myself, he must have become aware that there were things that had, there were, there were laws that God had spoken regarding what we speak, that he must have been very aware that he had broken. Maybe perhaps he had spoken negatively about people behind their back. He'd gossiped or, 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 or said some sort of untruth or told lies, or maybe he'd even, even spoken out the name of God in a, in a blaspheming way. You know, I just, nowadays that, that's just a super common theme. Thing that happens, and and uh, it's uh, but to use the name of God as a swear word is just before God the most offensive sin, and and uh, and uh, he became aware that not only had he done these sins, but he lived amongst a people that that were deeply unholy, that that had had were deeply sinful, and had done things which 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 could not allow them to be around a holy God. He became aware of this sin in his life, and. Uh, Another thing, a similar thing happened when, when Peter, um, Peter met Jesus. Peter had been out fishing, and obviously he must have known Jesus pretty well. And, uh, but he, they, they had this massive catch of fish, and they all came back, and, and, uh, and, and he came before Jesus, and they're all blown away that they'd caught all these fish. And, and uh, uh, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, fell at Jesus' knees, and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. What he saw, you know, see, Jesus in appearance, just a man, he, he stood before a man and yet he got the revelation, this understanding that this man was somehow God, somehow far much more than a man. And, and when he saw that he was standing before God, he became aware of his own nature. He became aware of, of, of his sinfulness and he, and he humbled himself. He said, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I remember when I, I sat there on the front row and there was his presence just, just there, not, not far away, and I thought, don't come any closer. I was scared. And this is, the, this is, this is God, who he is. And I'm sorry I'm not being so funny tonight. I just but I have to kind of talk about this stuff, you know, so it's real important. And uh, so there's this universal truth that these guys became aware of and that this man is sinful and he needs atonement. He needs to be made right. And uh, the, the, this revelation of God's absolute holiness affected Isaiah for the rest of his life and his ministry. And you can read throughout, throughout the book of Isaiah and, and see he, he kind of speaks from that point of view. And, and um, this is a, it's a good revelation to have, a very good understanding to have. Once we understand this, we can see the world 
for what it is. You know, this morning I was talking about the, the wonderful creation that we live in, and it is wonderful, but when we understand that also it, there's a sin nature that mankind has fallen, then, then it helps us understand why, why stuff's broken. You know, you know there's, God has provided us with this amazing creation and to live on this planet, and there is more than enough food that is produced on this planet, and yet people starve. Why is that? It's because, it, because of the sin nature, which is within humanity at large, which causes greed to withhold from some. And, and so it doesn't get distributed around as it could done, because some people would, would rather be more rich at the cost of people who have very little. And, and, uh, and so, but God has raising up a church who, who will offset that problem. And uh, so people have this, have this question, why is there suffering? That is the number one question for, for, for people who are, um, you know, percentage-wise, people who are wanting to, to know about God or, or, or question the existence of God. Why, if, if God is good, why does he allow suffering? And, and the reality is this, is that God has given us a free will. And, and uh, it, you know, if, if we didn't have a free will, we would be robots. Man, God has given man a free will, and man has, has chosen to, to exercise that in, in a way that, that was sinful. And so there is suffering in the world, uh, and this isn't a full explanation, but much of it is because of the, the sinful nature that is in mankind, which, which is just selfish and would rather bene- would benefit ourselves to the exclusion of other people and to the cost of other people. And so this is something that's within us. And it's not until we were presented with the absolute holiness of God that, that uh, we stop comparing ourselves with each other and we start to think, oh man, I fall so far short of this holy God. Isaiah prophesied later on in the, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 59 verse 2, he says, your iniquities or your sins, all these things, your selfish acts have separated you from God. And this this, this uh, state that we're in, it separates us from God. Imagine a Grand Canyon where God is on one side and we are on, we are on the other side. All of mankind is separated him by a chasm which is impossible to cross. We have nothing to cross it with. There is no rope bridge, no, there's nothing. There's just an impassable, vast chasm between us and God and we're separated from him because of our sinful nature. And, uh, and there's nothing we can do. So the universal truth is that man is sinful and needs atonement. But the second universal truth is this, is that our good works do not make us right with a holy God. Because we are mired in this state, there's nothing that we can do to, to, in our own strength to cross this chasm. And uh, Isaiah says later on in, in chapter 64, verse 6, he says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. And this, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the details of this, uh, of this verse, but ultimately this is one of the most vulgar verses in the Bible. There's two really um, vulgar verses in the Bible that I'm aware of. There's probably more. Really, if you look into them, really offensive verses, and they both speak about the same thing. And it's the idea that we can make ourselves right with God. When, whenever the Bible's getting really offensive, it's about this one thing, this idea that in our own strength, our good works can make us right with God. It says, it says everything that we try to do good is just disgusting. It's a, it's, a, it's a vulgar expression. Paul in the Bible was even more explicit. He, he, 
Paul is talking about, uh, in, in Philippi, uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, he's talking about how he was the most law-abiding, good person in terms of following God's law who was. If anyone had a reason to boast about how good he was, it was him. And he says this, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. What he's saying when I consider them garbage, everything that I have done, every time I have obeyed the law, every good work I've ever done, now I look back on that, I consider that garbage. Now if you go and look into that, that word garbage is not garbage, it's, a, it's often referred to as dung, and it's basically the most offensive word that he can use with dung, which is in English, uh, I'm not going to say. And uh, he talks in another, in, in Romans he talks about how, how he was utterly sinful. He just had this understanding that he had, there was no good Every good work that he had ever done was, was in fact mired in, in sinfulness. And, and our good works do not make us right with God. I, um, I would probably be, I mean, without kind of floating my own boat, um, without wanting to kind of, you know, make myself seem like, a, you know, citizen, you know, like some kind of upright, upstanding, morally good citizen... Um, people would probably look at me and, and think, oh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty good man. Um, we, we, one thing we do is we, we feed a lot of poor people and, uh, from our church and, and um, uh, we, um, you know, we help a lot of people throughout the last, you know, quite a few years of my life. I've just been involved in helping different people and, and you know, a lot of personal sacrifice to, to just help people have better lives, become more you know, in, in a worldly sense, law-abiding and, and, and good people. And uh, so people would look at me and say, Andrew, you're a good man. And uh, But about a year ago, I was driving um, a little bit fast. <laughs> and um, I, I was driving through a, a town, and it was a 30, and um, I had, had this worship music on. That was my excuse. <laughs> and uh, it was Hill Songs, and I was like, um, I was really getting into it. And I was, so I was just like, it was like really loud, kind of headbangery. And um, I'm in my car, just racing along. And, um, and there's these cars like quite a way ahead, and they look like they're going a bit slow. So I, I think if I just speed through this, this area here, I'll catch him. And then by the time I get to the dual carriageway, I'll just be able to whip past him, and then, then we'll be all right. And uh, next thing, I'm not really aware of my speed. And next thing, you know, you just see in the, in the, in the rearview mirrors a bit of flashing lights, and I think, oh, no, I know what's happening here. And I knew, I knew what I'd done. So I pulled over, and uh, I was going too fast to get an instant fine. You know what I mean? I was, I was, so I had to go to, I got, I was doing 50 and a 30. And, uh, oh, I, I feel your judgment. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, so what happens when you, you, you go 20 miles or more over? You have to, you have to go to court. So, um, yeah, I kept that one a bit quiet for a while. <laughs> and, uh, but because it's speeding, it, um, you don't have to actually turn up. You, you know, you have the option of just signing a um, uh, thing to, to confess that you did it. So uh, I, that's what I did, and I, I've, I've learned a lesson through it, not to 
not to kind of rage against the system, you know, because I was thinking, how can I get out of this? How can I get it? What, what legal technicality can I use to get out of this? And I thought, you know, at the end of the day, I was guilty. And uh, I should just, so all I did was I just prayed that I would be treated mercifully. And I did. I got treated really, really mercifully. A, a guy I know got more than double the fine. I got, a, I got a 200 pound fine and three points and he had exactly the same as me but, um, and he got uh, 500 pounds and six points. And so, um, But at the end of the day I could stand before that judge if I had cho- chosen to go to court and I could say look I'm a good man. Look at all of these good things I have done. Uh, you know, we feed the poor and, and we raise money for these orphanages and, and uh, we do this and that. We help drug addicts come off drugs and we've, we help these people who are alcoholics and we help, help, help all these people stop having affairs and we do all sorts of stuff in my life. I've got this huge bing long list and I've only done this one little thing. But the judge would then look at me and say, all of these good things don't make you innocent of this. You've done this, but you've still done this. What if I'd done a crime which there was a, a victim and, and the, victim, the victim would still want justice? And God is a just God. And so even though we, we, we build up a list of, of good things that, that we think are good, he's like, but there's this other list that you've done and, and justice needs to be served. And uh, so, so our, our position, humanly speaking, is, is, is completely hopeless. But this is the third universal truth, that God is rich in mercy, and He provides a way, a way for us to cross this chasm, between this, this uncrossable chasm that we cannot cross in our own strength, that re- we can be reconnected with, with, uh, with God through Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 6, Then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched with my mouth and he says see this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for you know you are made right Jesus said to Peter Peter's there trembling I, I go away from me I'm just a sinful man and Jesus says to him don't be afraid you know we have a God who wants to be reconciled to us he loves us and he values us and, and, uh, and, and he values you. you. You are of great worth to him. Paul said, Paul said carrying on in, first, in, in, in Philippians, he goes, he counted all these things in, as garbage so that he, he could be, gain Christ and become one with him. I don't, no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous or right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And as we put our faith in Jesus Christ... He, he, he makes us right with God. You see, there was a substitution that happened. I, I tried to think, how can I explain this idea to, to children? I used to teach uh, children up, up where we're at. And, and um, so I thought of the idea of substitution. It's a, it's a theological concept. And I said, who plays football? And of course, they've all played football. Who knows what a substitute is? And so they all knew what a substitute is. A substitute comes on and then takes your place. And I said, well, that's what Jesus did for us. You just imagine that you did something really bad in football and you're just about to get a red card and Jesus comes on and takes that for you. And, and then you're, you are seen as innocent. And so we are seen before God as, as, as being, being guilty and, and sinful. And Jesus is seen as being perfect. And he becomes, he, he does the swap. 
he becomes our substitute and God looks down and, 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 and the punishment is put upon Jesus and, Jesus, and God sees our Jesus' righteousness in us and, and he can, we can then stand before a holy God, blameless and, and able to be reconnect, reconnected with God. And this is the good news. Really, really simple message tonight, but, but uh, this, is, this is the good news that we have. And, and um, this, is, this is the fourth point I want to make tonight, that at the end of, of these encounters that these men had, Isaiah had his a, a, account in heaven. Paul, Peter had his account in, uh, uh, with uh, Jesus. And Paul had his account in, on the way to Damascus, and he fell off the horse and... and uh, he eventually got this revelation that, that his faith in Christ was what made him right. At the end of all of these encounters, these men became utterly devoted to God's cause. And, and uh, then it's, it says here in, in verse 8 of Isaiah 6, Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Jesus said to Peter, from now on, you will fish for people. And he gave him this, this mission. And I, and I think to myself, working backwards, it's worth thinking, am I that devoted to the mission? You know, we call it reverse engineering, looking at the end and then the end result and then, and then working backwards to where we are now. And perhaps if we're not totally devoted to his mission of, of spreading his good news, that mankind can be reconciled to God, then perhaps we haven't received a revelation of his holiness, a full revelation of his holiness. Perhaps we, we have never truly, uh, never truly come to grips with the idea that, that we are actually not good enough. I, I have been in church for most of my life, really, and, and looking back, I... I, I, I realize that there are many people who came to church, but they never, they never got saved. They never received Christ. They, never, they just saw going to church as being a good work. And it doesn't matter how often you go to church. If you never end up seeing your state before God and then receiving God's forgiveness and having faith in Jesus, uh, you won't receive God's forgiveness. And, 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 um, and it would be a terrible thing. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, God is going to separate um, those who are believers and those who are not believers on, on the end day, but they'll all be together. It's, it's church. And every church is full of those who believe and some of those who don't believe. And so if we don't talk about this stuff, as uncomfortable as it is, people don't get the opportunity to, 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 to repent, to change, and, and, and to, to receive salvation from God. And I just want to throw that out at you. If, you. if you're not devoted to His cause, then perhaps you've never understood your state before God and God's perfect holiness. And so what I'm asking tonight is for us all, really, is to do three things. Number one is to understand our sinful state before God. And number two is to understand that we are helpless to fix that problem. And the third is to put our trust in what Jesus did on the cross to reconcile us back to God, to understand that, to turn away from everything that we know is wrong. You know, the Bible says that men love darkness because their deeds were evil. And, but a light came into the world, and that light was Jesus Christ. And if we're willing to turn away from, those, from that darkness, those evil deeds, and walk into the light where, where, where we know that God sees everything that we think and say and do, 
and put our faith in Jesus Christ and follow him for the rest of our lives, then we will be able to stand before God without, without terror, without fear. And uh, this is inc- of critical importance. This is the most important thing that you could ever do with, with your life. This is the most in- urgent issue of, of your life and my life. One day we will all appear before him. And, and this is, the, this is what, really what it boils down to, humility. Will we humble ourselves now and, and, and receive him and turn away from the, from the ways that he has not prepared for us and walk according to his ways? Or will he humble us then? And I, I would rather humble myself now. I remember when I was 15 years old, 14 years old, I, I was a young man brought up in a, in a, in a Christian home. My mum was a Christian. And, and, um, but I was a young man. I had, my eye was on the things of the world. I just, I just, wanted, I just wanted what the world had to offer. I, I found that, that the, um, although I believed in God, I, you know, I believed in Jesus, I, I, I had no heart for his things. I just thought, you know, live life, enjoy life while you're young, you know. And, uh, you know, like that One Direction song. <laughs> Live while you're young. What a rubbish song. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, yeah. One Direction. Rock on. <laughs> and uh, came a day, I just started to become aware that I was in darkness. I can't describe the feeling, but it, uh, I remember just talking with a friend of mine, and we were sitting, and sitting and we had a jacuzzi at the back of the house and me and my mate were just sitting and we were talking and he wasn't a Christian and he just started talking he, he's quite interested in like demonic stuff and we were talking, he was from a Christian family as well we were talking away and I just became aware of darkness around me this emptiness this, this chasm this, this just spiritual darkness death and basically this guy who he still wouldn't even know to this day he basically, he just put so much fear in me, I just got saved. <laughs> he's, he's still not a Christian himself. That <laughs> just set me on a pathway. Very, very soon, I, I just started reading my Bible every night. Whenever I read my Bible, I, I would get peace. I'd think, oh, there's, there's God. I'm try, trying to connect with him, trying to connect with him. I don't know when it happened. Somewhere through these months, I, I, I must have realized that... that if I turn from my sin and put my faith in Jesus Christ, that, that, uh, that I could be re- reunited with God, forgiven for my sin. And now what happened when I was 15 years old, now I'm 41, I've been following Jesus for 26 years, sometimes not very well. Everything I do now is it's the, the good works I do, I don't do to make myself right with God, I just do them out of gratitude. And I'm willing to pay the price for Him. He's so good, been so good to me. And... Uh, one day I, I will stand before him and I look forward to that day. One day we will live in eternity with him. But maybe there are people here tonight that you don't know for sure that, that, that you are saved, that you've been forgiven before God. And uh, maybe that you look at your life and you think to myself, I'm not committed to his, to his mission to, to speak the gospel. I, maybe I'm not convinced of its truth. Maybe I think I'm a good person. I'm not 100%. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.